I'm sat here in my office in Durham University's Department of English Studies, surrounded by books. Novels that I need to read for teaching. Tomes of groundbreaking new research. Canonical doorstoppers that, if I'm honest, are there probably more because they have been deemed important than because I'll actually have time to read them. But even while I'm floundering under the back catalogue of literature's greatest hits, at the same time brand new fiction that I'm just desperate to read is appearing all the time on the shelves of bookstores and in the Twitter feeds of book bloggers and on prize lists. Recently, it was announced that sales of print books are booming. Despite the advent of digital entertainment, literary culture remains lively and full. So what could be better than studying contemporary fiction for a job so that you get to read the latest text for both work and pleasure? I'm Alistair Brown, editor of Read Research English at Durham, and I'm here with two of our PhD researchers who get to do just that, Arya Tampuran and Katie Harling-Lee, to talk about their research at the forefront of culture and the new network they have established, ModCon, to support those interested in modern and contemporary writing. Arya, can we start with you? What's your particular interest in contemporary fiction? Hi, um, I'm Aria. I'm a first-year PhD student at Durham, and I did my BA and my MA here as well. I broadly researched trauma and mental health in contemporary African women's writing. Thanks, Aria. And over to you, Katie. Hi. Um, so, I'm Katie. I also was at Durham for my undergrad and my master's, like Aria. Um, and I'm looking at music in the contemporary novel. Well, both your research topics sound fascinating, so let's talk about them in more detail in a bit. But before then, uh, as I alluded to at the start, there's a mass market of people reading contemporary fiction just for pleasure. So what made you go that step further and want to actually study it? I've always been interested in post-colonial literature, particularly African women's writing and Southeast Asian writing. And I think there are a lot of interesting things that are being done right now with ideas of, you know, technological mediation into the body and these sorts of things which interest me. And I think the contemporary mo moment is a time where we get the chance to explore all these alternative possibilities of narrative form, the body, and how that translates into literature. I'm not entirely sure why. <laughs> um, there's just something about contemporary fiction that has a different kind of style to it, which drew me towards it and what I was researching. Um, I think it's because you can find there's just so much variety in the contemporary fiction that I was just drawn to it. I'm, I don't have much better answer than that, actually. <laughs> well, that, um, that variety in volume is an interesting symptom, isn't it? Because whether it's the sheer amount being published or the fact that we're now reading from a much more globalised body of authors in the traditional British and American Anglophone world, um, these issues also speak to the fact that even in an age of Netflix and video games and social media, we're still choosing to buy books. Uh, have you any thoughts as to why this might be? Why books, literature, haven't simply been submerged by the stream? Well, I mean, from one side, maybe it's more pessimistic, but books, we like the objects of books. We like holding books. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things that where they're talking about the rise of books again, it's the fact that people can have it and they look really pretty. There are whole sections in Waterstones on beautiful books now. Yeah. Um, but there's also the fact 
Um, I recently was reading something, which I can't remember what it was, but it was pointing out that by the theory of what we're talking in terms of interaction, books shouldn't be interesting because you're supposed you're just reading it. There's not that interaction, but yet people find them so immersive. I suppose books also give form and meaning, or maybe sometimes deconstruct meaning altogether with what's happening in the contemporary moment, which can be so sometimes isolating and destabilizing in many ways, I suppose, right now with everything that's happening in the world. And I think books give you an outlet to sort of explore those kinds of feelings and, mm-hmm. I don't know, like a community in many ways, with mm-hmm. reading especially. Yeah. Yeah. But you've both found your own particular way into this diverse field. So how did you stumble upon your own areas of interest? Um, actually, it's with my undergraduate dissertation. So I wrote it on Chimamanda Adichie, who's a contemporary Nigerian novelist. And I was looking at her literary genealogy from um, more canonical, inverted commas, um, Nigerian writers like Chinua Achibe. And one interesting thing that I found was with one of her most popular novels, Half of a Yellow Sun, which was set during the time of the Biafran War, a lot of the theoretical material that was coming out of that novel tried to talk about trauma in a way that was that used more mainstream trauma theory and it was struggling to get to grips with articulating the kind of trauma that was culturally specific in a way. So then I took away the need to sort of decolonize trauma theory as a model because it did come out of a lot of it comes out from Holocaust studies and post World War male combat trauma. So I don't know, I think that's where the interest in medicine and trauma comes you know how do we find more culturally specific or salient ways of talking about trauma Mm. well it feels like that's quite an important area of research in more than just a literary sense uh is that something that interests you how we can use contemporary literature to speak out about wider social political dare one even say real world concerns especially with you know how theories evolved in its application which is why i think you know when we try and define the contemporary or even the modern and how where does one start when does one begin, I think these distinctions really blur because you get like an evolution of its application. So I look a lot at psychoanalysis and how that can sort of be applied right now. You'd apply it in very different ways. So you have like linguistic turns to it. And then now you have, you know, a new focus on the body. Well, it's not very new, but, you know, body being brought back into focus now. And Katie, what about you? Uh, You're interested in music and literature. Uh, do Do you play an instrument? So I am a musician. Um, which is part, it's the one of the reasons I'm interested, which I forget is one of the reasons why I'm interested, because I've just been a musician for so long. So that's always interested me. But what made me think about music in the novel was actually when I was reading for my Victorian module, I was reading a George Eliot book, Adam Bede, and she just in one line describes a character's mood falling from the key with five sharps to the congenial C. And I read it and thought, well, I understand that because I'm a musician and I get what's going on there as from learning piano that the key of C is the easiest one to understand and play. And then for some reason I then shifted that to contemporary fiction. I think it's because the contemporary fiction deals with music later so that after, as I was saying about theories developing in the 20th century, so now ideas about music are questioned again, so whether it contains any emotion, if it can be expressive or whether music's individual. Um, or how people will rely on music or use it. So yeah, so that's what interested me. And particularly idea of using music in the content of the novel as metaphor, concept, and using it to explore other concepts. 
that seems like the sort of thing that uh, contemporary readers themselves would find really interesting. I think whenever I've told people that I'm doing looking at music and contemporary fiction, I often get quite excited responses. Um, they'll they'll start trying to give me books, more books to read, though, because they'll start thinking about books they've read that have music in. I think it's because even if you're not a musician, music music is around in the world all the time. So I think it always does interest people because they do get emotionally attached to music as much as philosophers might want to argue that there's no emotion in music. We still connect to it in some way, and that's what I'm interested in and how the novels try and explore that a bit more. Um, Definitely. I think trauma studies especially is something that translates across, you know, different cultural forms of fiction. So it's not just isolated in African women's writing. And I think especially now, more than ever, when we have all this fiction that's coming out and this very, I don't know, post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic kind of fiction, I think it really does resonate with people. At least when I speak to friends about it, they're like, oh, this is really heavy stuff, but at the same time, tell me more. <laughs> it really does resonate, you know? Yeah. So what are the most recent books you're studying? How, con- how contemporary is the contemporary? Well the, book that, well, the book that I'm currently working on was published in 2017, um, and it's called Freshwater. It's by a Nigerian novelist called Akweke Amezi, and it's an interesting one because she tries to draw on this pre-colonial Igbo Nigerian mythology of born-to-die children who reincarnate repeatedly to torment the mother, essentially. And she gives it a contemporary update to sort of understand how the protagonist's experience of hearing voices in a hit can be mythological rather than psychiatric. So instead of putting her novel through this like psychiatric paradigm or narrative of split personality or psychosomatic disorder, it's it's understood mythologically. And I think that's really important for trauma studies as well, because often it it gets put through this very pathological DSM filter, which might not necessarily be the most relevant if you look at it in terms of different cultural understandings. And for you, Katie, how close to the present do you come? Um, I think my most recent book so far, this is an ever-growing list, is was published in 2016. It's Do Not Say We Have Nothing by Madeleine Tien, so shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize. The main thing is it is about musicians in China during Mao's Cultural Revolution. Um, And that's one of the growing themes in my research is potentially looking at how music is used and explored, but within the context of an oppressive regime. Because of my other texts, I've got one in the Soviet Union, there's ones dealing with the Cold War, with World War II and Holocaust. And they will kind of refer to music in different ways. And one of the elements that's interesting is that music can be seen by the oppressed as sometimes as a sense of hope, but it could also be seen as a way to kind of manipulate and the power in music that's both a threat and a use. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. I mean, say it seems uh, timely would be too obvious given that it belongs to our moment, but um, the connections to contemporary politics certainly seem important. Uh, but that does lead to another question in studying the contemporary, which is that on the one hand, you may be studying texts with very little existing research to go on. And on the other, you've got to kind of filter out all the popular chatter surrounding recent books in reviews or on social media or in journalism trying to link books to current affairs. So how do you deal with that problem? It's hard, but it also it makes it easy to know that it was only published a few years ago, so there's only a few published articles, if that, on it. Most of them are reviews. So I start from there, and then I have to really challenge myself to go 
question what I think is there, which I find quite invigorating, I guess. Mm. What about you, Aria? Do you read the reviews or do you try and approach the book brand new? I always try and approach the book and write something of my own before I start going through (laughs) Guardian and The New Yorker Mm. and this and that, Mm -hmm. because... I think it's a good challenge in itself to form your own opinion before you come into a text and then not have that shaped by, you know, big thinkers and big theorists. Uh, So that's how you deal with works published in the immediate present. And it seems like right now provides one fairly firm bookend for contemporary fiction. Um, But what about your other bookend for the period? Where do you take the contemporary back to? What's your starting point? So... I've been tending to focus from 1990s, 1980s to present day. Part of that is that with this theme of oppressive regimes, a lot of stuff was only coming to the fore in knowledge by then and being written about. Um, So then that means that more of my texts are relevant that are written later. But I'd say around the 80s-ish, but it is pretty hard. You get post-war fiction, so post-1945, and then it all gets a bit blurry. I see. A lot of my work is post 1970s, mm-hmm. 1980s, and onwards, because there were quite a few neo slave narratives that were written around that time, and that's obviously shaped my work and my MA research as well. So, yeah, but it's a, a shifting. It's, it's definitely <laughs> difficult to define like points. I don't think the contemporary is defined by like these great watershed moments or mm. you know political breaking points, but. It's more of this like gradual. Yeah, if anything, yeah. the main point in history of mm-hmm. defining it is World War Two. Well, that brings us to one of the reasons why we're here, which is not just to talk about your research, fascinating though that is, um, but also the ways in which you want to bring researchers together in your discipline. Uh, you started to set up a research network for contemporary fiction. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about how that came about and what it involves? Yeah. Well, so we've been here since our undergrad, and we definitely recognised a gap for contemporary research, particularly something that's interdisciplinary. So we definitely opened this up to, you know, beyond the English literature department. But we want to give people a space to come together and share their research. And we're trying to pilot different formats as well. So we've got reading groups. We do. We have an informal research postgrad forum, mm-hmm. and we're trying to do these things fortnightly and just give people that space to come together and have conversations about their research because I think that's probably going to be the most productive way to generate better ideas. Yeah, we're quite Mm -hmm. flexible at the moment. The main thing Mm -hmm. is trying to find the people who are studying contemporary literature Mm -hmm. and creating a space where we can become aware of each other because Mm -hmm. it's good to know who else is out there in that network that you will be working with Um, and being able to chat and discuss ideas because you never expect... Never expect it, but I often will get some good ideas from just explaining Mm -hmm. some work of mine or discussing with someone else. And PhD studies, lonely. Um, So it's good to be able to know who else is out there Mm -hmm. doing that. So is it just for PhD students at Durham or is it open more widely? I mean, even MA students can... Yeah, we're aiming at postgrad. Postgrad. And we're in Durham because we're in Durham, Mm -hmm. but we're very open at the moment for just finding other people out in the area who want to come along and discuss with us and work with us. We're trying to do social working kind of things. So maybe in the afternoon, we're in a space for a few hours and so you can come along and work, but chat, but work at the same time. Mm -hmm. 
So presumably you've got a Facebook page or somewhere people can find out what's going on? Yeah, we've got ModCons, which is an abbreviation for what has become the Modern and Contemporary Literature Network. Okay, well on that basis, we'll leave listeners to go and find ModCon Durham on Facebook uh, and look forward to seeing future events happening soon. Uh, Meantime, thank you Arya Tampuran and Katie Harling-Lee for all your hard work setting ModCon up. Uh, and also for chatting today about your own research interests in the contemporary. Uh, I started off complaining about the pile of books I have that I just want to read and don't have time for. Uh, unfortunately, you've only gone and added a few more to that pile. Um, but it's been really insightful talking to you nonetheless, so thank you ever so much. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. If you would like to comment on the podcast you have just listened to, or if you want to download more of our podcasts, visit our blog at www.readdurhamenglish.wordpress.com.